Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today will be taken from the reading in the Gospel of John where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You may be seated. We begin with the word of prayer. Father in heaven, we give you thanks that your son Jesus has come to give us the way to heaven, to tell us the truth about you, and to promise us everlasting life. We pray this day, Lord, that you would teach us to both trust this truth and proclaim this truth to a world that so desperately needs to hear it. Help us to stand firm, O Lord, and grant us your Holy Spirit to this end. And now may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as you may or may not know, we've been going through this series at the church we're calling the I Am series, and we're looking at the various claims that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John about who he is. And what Jesus is saying when he says, I am, is he is saying that he is God. And in the Gospel of John, when he says, I am, he tells us both that he is God, and then he tells us the sort of God that he is. And one of the things that has sort of uh, stood out to me and really kind of surprised me as I've worked through this series and preparing these messages, (coughs) excuse me, is just how offended people were in the gospel when Jesus would make these I am claims. And they would be offended at like really the most surprising parts for me. When Jesus would say something like, I am the good shepherd or I am the light of the world, uh, versus you and I will typically run to for comfort or for peace or, or for confidence when things are difficult or we're feeling sad or sorrowful. We cling to those kinds of promises from Jesus. But when he said it in the original context, people got angry. They were divided over him. Sometimes they would even seek to kill him. And so it's always, it's just been kind of an interesting thing for me to see just how offensive Jesus was to the people of his day with these I am statements. But today, as we come to our statement where Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I think we start to get an idea of why people are so offended. Listen again to the whole saying of Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. No one, Jesus says, gets to God except through him. No one. And I'm going to be very clear about this. Jesus is not saying here that he is the best option of religious gurus out there for you to abide by. He's not saying that he has the best spiritual techniques or practices for you to use to climb up to heaven and find God. He's not even offering you the best way of life for you to follow if you want to be right in the presence of God. No, he is claiming that he is the only way to the Father. Trust in him alone is the way to find God. He's claiming that he is the only one who will tell you the truth about God. And he is claiming that he is the only one who can actually give you the gift of eternal life. He alone does it. No one else. No other way. No other religion. No other philosophy. Nothing. Only Jesus is right and listening to trusting in any other idea philosophy religion whatever whatever it is that speaks about god those things are not the way they are a false path they are lies that lead to death no one comes to the father except through jesus now you can see how this sort of claim from christ would get him into a little bit of trouble in our our more current pluralistic culture 
Because in our culture, we like to talk about how everyone really has sort of the same access to God. Everyone's views of God are equal. Everyone's perspectives on religion are roughly the same. They're all kind of just uh, one big different perspective on what God is and what he has to say. And so when Jesus comes along and says, nope, I'm the only way, I'm the only one telling you the truth, and I'm the only one who gives life, we have a very hard time with this. And in our pluralistic society, it is a hard thing to abide by. This is a tough thing to hold on to. Even some of like the great uh, 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 I'm trying to, institutions of the past, you might say, that have stood upon this claim are now reneging on it. Did you hear this this past week from the Pope, of all people? I read a story this past week that said that the Pope signed a document with a Muslim grand imam stating this, that the pluralism and diversity of religions, color, sex, race, and language, are all willed by God and his wisdom through which he created human beings. This divine wisdom is the source from which the right to freedom of belief and the freedom, of, uh, freedom to be different derives. Now that's an interesting statement, because there is truth in that. Certainly, the diversity of, uh, of sex and, and race and color and language are certainly willed by God, are certainly created by God, but then to say something uh, like that the diversity of religion is willed by God is a very strange thing indeed. Now, I want to be very clear here. We're not sort of going to say today that we have a problem with the freedom of religion. We like the freedom of religion. It's nice to be able to show up here this morning and not be worried that we're going to be arrested for being here. We're fans of this sort of thing. It's nice to go home and have dinner and not go to jail. I think we can agree. However, to say that, uh, it's a good thing to have freedom of religion and then to say that all religions are equally right or all religions are equally God's will is to say something like this, that it is God's will for us to be breaking the first commandment and to have many other gods beside him. And that's strange language indeed to be coming from the Pope of all people. Because it denies quite clearly what Jesus claims today. You see, Jesus claims that all other belief systems will not get you to God. That not all other belief systems have the same claim to the truth. Jesus just will not allow for it. He tells us that he alone is the truth. And he alone tells the truth. And the truth is that there's no way to life before God apart from him. Because here's the reality that the scriptures make abundantly clear to us. That there's no one really even trying to get to God as much as we think we might be. No one is really seeking God. Everyone is only seeking their own selfish ways. No one's really going to follow a path that gets to God. Every other religion sets up another idol. Every work that we perform that we think is earning us sort of brownie points in heaven is always tainted with sin. Because here's the reality. Every human being is born bound to sin, bound to idolatry, born by nature and choice in rebellion to God. So that anything we kind of construct or any path we lay out that we think is going to get us to God comes from a place, to, place of sin and only leads to sin. Even our best efforts to get to God become idols because we're upset that he's not so impressed with us. Every path we develop is a way to death. Apart from Christ, that is all we've got. Sin and death. And eternal death is where we're going, apart from Christ. 
And the truth is God has every right to send us to death. God has every right to leave us for dead in our idolatry. But come on, you know where this is going. The truth doesn't stop there, does it? There is more truth that Jesus has to say to us. And beyond this then, Jesus says this is the truth of our sinful situation, but here's an even greater truth that I have come to tell you today. That though you deserve your death and your sin and, uh, and, and punishment from God, God has chosen another route. God has chosen to send you Jesus Christ to give you the way to heaven, to give you the truth that he alone gives you life. Jesus says, I've come to you, and I've come uh, to do something about your sin. I've come to take it away from you. I've come to make it my own. I've come to do something about your death. I've come to die it in your place so that your sins will be forgiven. And in doing this, I've come to prepare a place for you in the presence of my Father forever. I've come to make a place for you in his kingdom. Now, the only way you're getting there is through me. So I've come to take you there. I love this passage. The way Jesus describes this to us today is truly a beautiful description of how he works this salvation for us. Just before he makes the claim to be the way, the truth, and the life, he said these marvelous words that we know and we love, but I think are just truly incredible. He says this, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have I told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Jesus is telling us this truth today. He is making this promise to us, that though we deserve death, he has come to give us life. In the illustration he uses here about preparing a place for us in his Father's kingdom, it's really a beautiful illustration and a great illustration for us this week uh, as we come on the tail end of Valentine's Day. Gentlemen, I hope you remember that was last week. Uh, Valentine's Day. And they have this great picture because the language Jesus is using here uh, is from uh, the first century Jewish wedding ceremonies. The way a marriage would go down in the first century was this. There would be a young Jewish man who would see a young lady who would sort of catch his fancy, and he would decide he would like to marry her. And so he would go to the father, and he would pay the bridal price to prove that he was going to be worthy of marrying this girl. And then after he has paid the bridal price, he would go away for a year. And for that year, he would prepare a home. He would prepare a livelihood for her. He would get on his feet, he would get himself established, and he would prepare this home for his bride-to-be. This was called the betrothal period. After the betrothal period, he would come back, and there would be a great celebration, a huge wedding feast that would sometimes last for over a week, and the town would celebrate, and he would take this woman to himself, and he would take her home, where he would provide for her and protect her and love her and care for her forever. Jesus is saying to us today, this is what I'm doing for you. The only way now to get to that house is for me to purchase you with my blood, and so I've done it. The only way for that house to be there is for me to prepare it for you, so I've done it. And the only way for you to get there is for me to carry you there in my arms, and so I will do it. I am preparing that place for you in my Father's house. And everything that would keep you away, your sin, your rebellion, your faithfulness, I'm taking all of that away from you. In exchange, in exchange, I'm giving you my perfection, my holiness, my righteousness, my eternal life. Jesus is saying, you see, like any, any good bridegroom in any good marriage, 
Everything you have now belongs to me. And everything I have now belongs to you. And Jesus says, I have united myself to you in love. And we are now one. And you who are one with me, I now have a place for you to go to. I'm the only one who can get you in there. And so I'm taking you. It's a beautiful picture that Jesus gives to us today. It is a beautiful truth. But you have to understand then, to look for another way to the Father is to seek to be unfaithful to our dear husband, Jesus Christ. It is to look to another to love. It is to look uh, to another for care and protection and provision. This is why, perhaps so often in the Old Testament, it depicts idolatry as adultery because unbelief or trusting in something besides Jesus, like another God or even your own works or whatever, is to, in a sense, cheat on God and seek a relationship with another. But Jesus comes to us in the midst of these wandering eyes that we have today and speaks a word that pulls us back to our good bridegroom. Jesus says to you today this truth. I alone love you. I alone want to provide for you. I alone will forgive you and save you. I alone will do it and no one else. And I have sacrificed everything for you to make it happen. Jesus says, I have done all of it for you. And that is the truth of the matter today. Jesus alone loves you enough to give you life forever. And he's promised it to you. For he is the way, the truth, and the life for you. Amen. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we give you thanks for your mercy and for your forgiveness and your grace. We thank you that your son Jesus has taken us to himself and prepared a place for us in your presence forever. Keep us ever faithful to him as he will always be faithful to us. And make us bold to share this good news in this world that does not trust this truth. And we pray, O Lord, that your spirit would work on the hearts and minds of those we love so they might come to know this truth as well. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Having heard the word of our Lord, I invite you to please.